Welcome, everyone, to the first podcast of the Children's Work Group Early Childhood Committee. We are a group of practitioners and advocates from various different systems in Philadelphia whose common feature is that we all work with young children who experience homelessness. Your hosts today are Malkia Singleton of the Parent Child Plus Home Visiting Program and myself, Joe Willard of the People's Emergency Center. Today's discussion will feature a roundtable discussion by frontline staff and leaders in home visiting programs here in Philadelphia. We asked them a series of questions about their experiences working with young children who experience homelessness, about their challenges, and about their hopes. We recorded this conversation at the March Children's Workgroup meeting. Let's listen in. Uh, children's Workgroup for the Childhood Committee is a monthly discussion of various issues relating to children ages zero to five who experience homelessness here in Philadelphia. Uh, for about the past 10 years, we've identified key issues, brought together numerous systems and uh, leadership and frontline staff to help identify solutions to problems that confront the families and our children. Um, this is our first Zoom meeting. We have 63 people registered for participating today. Um, we have people from Early Head Start, the Early Learning Resource Centers, Academia, National Advocates uh, from Schoolhouse Connection, Child Trends. We have staff uh, from the Emergency Housing System and the Early Learning Community, um, the City of Philadelphia. We have a guest from Tufts University. Welcome. Uh, and we welcome, welcome everybody here today. Um, before we Good morning, everyone. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, during these times, um, typically we would start our meetings off doing a sanctuary introduction, which of course we cannot do today on Zoom, but I would encourage you just to do it with yourself. And the sanctuary is a trauma-informed model, which really just um, gives us a tool to hopefully not traumatize folks while we're trying to help them, right? And so a, a sanctuary community meeting is a way that we've been opening our children's work group meetings. It gives people a chance to check in with yourself. So just silently, I hope today you can just check in with how you're feeling. For today, something else I wanted to focus on instead of, you know, all the hysteria that's going on, you know. So, and then who you can ask for help. So even though we are um, in semi-isolation right now, we still can reach out to them. I think it's important to remember that um, during this time. So this morning, we um, have prepared to have a discussion home visiting programs can work with families experiencing homelessness. So we have a few um, of the home visiting programs that exist in Philadelphia right now to share their experiences. So. One is the Parent Child Plus program, which I work with, the Nurse Family Partnership, as well as um, the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. And so in order just to stay organized, um, we have some questions prepared and I'll just call on each person to speak. Okay, so we're gonna get started. Um, and I think we'll start with Nurse Family Partnership. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a little bit out of order. So first we would just like each, um, organization somebody tell you tell us about yourself um, how many years you've been working with the program and about the program itself and what really motivates you to be in the position you're in so Elise um, or Blair from Nurse Family Partnership can you start us off I'm not sure if Blair is on yet so I'll go ahead um, I'm Elise I'm a public health nurse um, I actually work for the Mabel Morris Family Home 
Zip program, which works in collaboration with the Nurse Family Partnership. So we're, we're one office, but two separate programs. Um, I've been in my position for about two and a half years, and I'm pretty sure Blair has been working as a home visitor now for 10 years, I think. <laughs> um, and um, the Nurse Family Partnership does home visiting with first-time moms um, up until the second birthday. Um, and Mabel Morris does home visiting with families who have children under the age of four. Um, and the goal is really kindergarten readiness. Um, oh, no, you can even And I would say that one of the things that really keeps me in the job is just the relationships I have with my families and getting to celebrate the small successes with them that really, it just really brightens my day. It's fun when the baby jumps for the first time or... Um, a parent has their first job interview. Those are really wonderful moments. Great. Thank you, Elise. Okay, next, I know we have Tracy Morris on the line from Philadelphia Department. I'm not sure if Kate is also on the line as well. Hi, Malcia. Hi, Tracy. I'm, I couldn't get on the meeting Zoom thing, so I'm just on the phone. Okay, great. Great. So you can tell us a little bit about um, yourself, your organization, how long you've been with the program. Sure. Um, I work with the Healthy Start program um, through the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. I've been with Healthy Start for 11 years, and I've been in home visiting prior to that for 13 years. So I've been most of my adult life involved in home visiting, and the value can't be measured. Um, and... I um sorry I lost my train of thought but anyway it's a very valuable service I'm on the administration end of things these days so I'm basically just making sure well hopefully that the program can continue with grant funding and etc so what I get to do now is not nearly as much fun but we want to keep things going so it has its importance in a different way great thank you and Kate Lozada are you on the line also no? Okay. And then now I'll talk about the program I work with, which is Parent Child Plus. Um, and Tiffany, are you on the line? No. Okay. So I will, I will talk about Parent Plus. So Parent Child Plus is a early literate uh, school readiness home visiting model. Um, we work with families that have children 16 months to four years of age to kind of pick up where partnership um, leads off at age two, um, and our focus really is school readiness. We would like to work with the family two years before the child enters pre-kindergarten. And what we do is we go into the home that we go out, we take a book or educational toy that's a gift to the family and really model for the parent how to interact with that book or toy to increase parent-child verbal interaction. Um, all of our home visitors come from the actual community that we work in. And um, we also do a lot of work with immigrant families and we what it is, a cultural and linguistic match between the home visitor. Get lost. Get out of here, Coco. Um, so we currently work in North Philadelphia, uh, West Philadelphia, and South Southwest, and in South Southwest, families. Um, the program, Parent Child Plus, has only been in Philadelphia for four years, since 2016, um, but it's been around nationally since 1965. So it's really, um, I really 
it's a great model, um, and I think it really empowers parents and really lights a spark in them to see how important they are in their child's education. So that's what really motivates me. So I, my, my role as the Pennsylvania State Director, I work with not only our Philadelphia program, but we have um, five other sites in the state of Pennsylvania as well. I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, could you all talk about um, how many families experiencing homelessness you work with? And what have been some of your experiences? What have the families need? Um, and how does your program specifically work with them? We'll start off with um, Tracy this time. I'm sorry, did you say me? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, That's okay. So I'm sorry. It's I'm not sure that I can quantify how many, mm -hmm. but over the years, we do work with um, women who reside in shelters. The, the thing with homelessness is there's so many different kinds. And what I mean by that is some folks are homeless in that they don't actually have their own place where they live, but they do have a place to sleep, which might be a relative, a friend, a boyfriend, an ex-boyfriend, a mother-in-law, etc. But that can change. So that if you're trying to do home visiting, one of the hardest things is um, to maintain any kind of a consistency because people move around so much. They couch surf. Sometimes they might have one spot where they are able to be, i.e. like grandmom's house, but they're only allowed to sleep there and nothing else. So they have to be out during the day. And also sometimes the family member may not want anyone else coming into the house. So the way that we've usually worked is we just meet the person where we can. That could be a porch. I've met people in my car. I've met people at McDonald's, at a doctor's office, a WIC office. Wherever people have to go, we'll meet them. Now, the downside to that, of course, is not as much privacy, but you do the best you can. And that's really what homeless people do. They do the best they can. They're very resourceful in ways that is very humbling. When a person is living in a shelter, you might have a little more ease, although you often have to go through the, well, you don't have, to, you do have to go through the shelter people, whoever's in charge. And sometimes there's very uh, strict guidelines about who can come in and out, when, et cetera. So I guess the bottom line is you have to be almost as resourceful sometimes as the people you're trying to serve um, to help to provide service and your services uh, with Healthy Start, we have a lot of flexibility. There are certain things we want to try to, you know, work with in terms of health education, health promotion, but we don't have to follow a, a prescriptive and in, in it's, that's so strict that we can be flexible about meeting the person where they are and helping in the best way possible. Um, it's a challenge all the way around. I've, I don't know that we've ever had anyone who's necessarily like actually living in a park or something. Um, but even if that were the case, we would do our best to try to serve that person. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a challenge. I know even just from personal experience years and years and years ago, unfortunately, we still have many homeless people. Um, I mean, I would get stuff together and go to meet someone and in a shelter and then they're gone and there's no way to find the person because Generally speaking, at least at that time, people didn't have phones. Uh, if you have nowhere to live, a lot of times you may not have a phone or mm -hmm. a phone that's operational. So mm -hmm. those are some of the challenges and barriers. But I guess the, ba the basic message I would have is 
we don't give up. We keep trying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So other people may have different experiences. Um, I haven't been in the field in a long time, but I know that our uh, case managers do their best to try to connect as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'll speak about Parent Child Plus. Very similar experiences with uh, Tracy um, just described, just having to be very flexible. Um, and and not giving up because sometimes the barriers um, with working with families that are experiencing homelessness at the moment can be a little bit more than our other families, but sometimes not. You know, it's it's you you, you just don't give up because you know that the families are dealing with a lot of different um, different things, and you try to meet them where they're at physically, emotionally. Um, but we find that you know just that visit is a little bit of a break from all of the stress that they're going through. Um, and that's why I think home visiting is such a, an important resource for families experiencing homelessness. Um, we have had the experience also of um, families not being able to stay together. So there's a father, a mother, and I know the system is, um, you know, allowing more men into the system and everything now. And that is, you know, some of that is changing, but, you know, seeing families have to break apart can be really hard and, and unnecessary, you know. Um, so th- those have really been our experiences. We probably had about 10 uh, families a year um, that have experienced homelessness. And similar, they, you have families that are in emergency housing, but then you also have families that are doubled up. Um, and we see the doubled up scenario quite often in our immigrant populations. Um, and one story that was really, um, really great though, that happened not too long ago, we had a family who just was really housing insecure and had to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And they finally found their own place. And then they, they had, you know, had kept all of the books and toys that we had brought to them in one mm. place. And we thought, well, that really shows, you know, how much this family valued those things, even despite, you know, all of that turmoil that they were going through, that this was something that, you know, was kind of like an anchor and something to hold on to. Okay. So at least now, if you can share how Nurse Family Partnership and Mabel Morris Home Visiting works with um, families experiencing homelessness. Yes, definitely. Um, I would agree with everything that has already been said. Um, for sure, like we... Um, work with the families. Um, I think they definitely do experience our visits as like a break from the stress of what they're experiencing and an encouragement and something that is consistent amidst a lot of change. Um, Just for context, um, I have about 17 families on my caseload right now. Um, And some of those families have been on my caseload since I started. So I've been working with them for two and a half years now. which has been really wonderful um, to know them so well. Um, In the past year, five of those families have experienced some type of homelessness. um, And three other families have experienced housing insecurity. Um, So that's, they've received an eviction notice, they're behind on their rent. um, There's something going on with their housing where they really do need to move, but they can't yet. So that's a large number of my families who are experiencing something stressful with their housing, whether they're homeless or housing insecure. Um, and like Melchia and Tracy, you know, homelessness, 
living in shelter, people who are squatting, people who are staying with family, doubling up, you know, the whole, the whole gamut. Um, and I think what I have found um, challenging that, you know, all of our families, our program is completely voluntary and our families, they really want to be engaged and they love their kids and they really care about their child's development. Um, and when you are worried about where you're going to sleep at night or where you're going to stay the next day or how someone you are living with might interact with you or your child and you can't really control the interaction, um, that really makes it challenging be focused on creating routines with your child or uh, being really reflective about um, parenting styles. Um, and that's what our program is all about. Um, and we definitely, like Melchia said, we meet families where they are and a lot of visits are about just being there with them and, and being a witness to that and um, pointing out their strengths because there are so many. Um, and so it's definitely a very challenging situation for families. Thank you. So here's, here's the, um, the million dollar question. If we on, um, what would you want uh, the house system to do to support home visiting? Um, to, or the mayor to do about visiting? Um, so I'll start that one. <laughs> um, if I had a magic wand, we would just end homelessness, right? Everybody would just have what they need um, everywhere, right? But we know that's not the, the reality of the situation. But um, something that I do think is realistic is um, the homeless system could just really begin to utilize home visiting as a real resource. Like it could become a part of, um, even part of the intake process, you know, so that it could be introduced to families um, or at least the, the staff of the housing system could be really, um, familiar with, with everything that we do um, and, and know that that's a resource to connect families to once they're in shelter or if they're interested, you know, while they're waiting for placement in shelter. Elise, you want to go next? You had a magic wand. What would you want the housing system to know about home visiting? Um, I definitely agree with you. Um, one of my, the first things I thought of was I know at least previously, there's like a scoring system that the um, system uses to determine like what type of housing supports that a family will qualify for. And um, if possible, it would be great to reach out to home visitors as they're coming up with that score, um, as families are willing, obviously. Um, I know that it's really hard to get an accurate score and it's really hard um, for families to be um, to know exactly what the questions are looking for and to be um, able to, to, to show exactly what's going on and sometimes when there's been a provider that's been working with the family for several years um, that can be helpful um, in determining that score. Um, my best experiences have been when um, case managers have made themselves really available to me so I have one family that I've known since I've started and they've moved from shelter to rapid rehousing to permanent supportive housing and back to being homeless. Um, like right now they're squatting. Um, and I remember when they were in the shelter, the case manager was 
would meet with me um, whenever he could. So I would have my visit and then I would stop in with the case manager um, and talk about what was going on, talk about changes that would be helpful. Um, he made himself available to me over the phone and over email. Um, and there were definitely limitations to what he could do. Um, but that definitely, I think, improved that family's experience living in the shelter. Mm -hmm. um, and I think increased their sense of agency, which I think is a big thing that's really hard um, mm -hmm. when you're experiencing homelessness because there's just so much you can't control. But to know that these two providers are in communication, um, I think is really, is really crucial and really helpful. Um, those are just a couple thoughts. Definitely, the number one thing is like we just we need more funding. Um, we need more resources. We need more supports for our families. Um, mm -hmm. There is just there's not enough affordable housing, um, and there is just not enough funding in the system to provide what these mm -hmm. families really need um, to raise their kids and what they deserve. And so, all of us together, we really need to advocate for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. And Tracy. Same question. Um, Malkia, uh, if I could, yes. Uh -huh. Hi, Malkia, if I could just, um, just a public service announcement. If you yes. make sure you mute yourself, if you are not speaking, sometimes the microphone picks up when you're moving around. Um, so if you could do that for us, that would be great. Thank you so much. Also, um, please scan the chat box because there are some questions or points that are being made through the chat box. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Tracy, so same question for you. If you had a magic wand, what would you want um, the housing system to do to support home visiting, as well as the mayor to do about homelessness? Tracy, did we lose you? Let me see if I can unmute Tracy. Oh, am I unmuted now? There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. Um, I was going to say I would I would love to understand why so many people are homeless. I mean, I know you know some reasons, but and maybe trying to get at what that root causes. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are homeless right now, but there are a whole vast number of people who are housing insecure. I mean, they. They're like one, you know, one week or two weeks out. If something happens, they could lose their home or mm -hmm. where they're living, not their home necessarily. So there's a lot of work to be done at policy level. And just in fact, in terms of, I think, um, Elise, I think was, I don't have the names in front of me, so forgive me, but there's just not enough affordable housing in Philadelphia, period. Mm -hmm. So there's a lack of affordable housing, but then you know, while people are in shelters, I wish the shelter system was a bit more, I don't know what the word is, but I like your idea, Malkia, when somebody does come into the shelter system, maybe they get assigned um, a wellness coach and that person helps them through various different things over the course of their stay there with mm -hmm. the idea of moving on and, and getting out of whatever the situation is. I don't know, I'd have to think about it more Mm -hmm. um the huge problem so I, I don't have any real answer today sorry no problem no problem at all 
And, and our last question for everybody is, um, and a little bit, we touched a little bit on this, but if we had um, all of the CEOs, executive directors of the housing providers, as well as OHS leadership, which is Office of Homeless Services in the room right now, what, is, what are some things that we would say to them? And I'll, I'll start this one too. Um, I would say that to, to really think about the fact that um, home visiting can really be a prevention to homelessness and it can really be, um, it can add resources to an already stressed system. So I know, and I'm sure Elise and um, Tracy have had this experience that home visitors will then help families find housing as well as their case manager within, you know, the housing program. And sometimes that relationship that a home visitor has compared to a relationship that a person has with their case manager is very different. So they can, they'll hear things differently from them. And so I think that um, to welcome home visiting um, and, you know, look at us as a true partner that um, can really help um, solve at least specific families' issues around homelessness. Elise, you want to go next? Sure. Um, thank you for that, Makia. I definitely 100% agree with that. And I, I think just to build off of that, um, because our programs are programs about family well-being and child development, um, and because our programs last for such huge lengths of time, um, we often meet families um, before they're actually experiencing homelessness. And we're able to continue that relationship after they are no longer. Um, or as they move from one system to the other, as the case may be. Um, and I think because of that, we have the potential, and we often do, um, witness as families start to move towards homelessness. You know, we pick up on those signs. We know when, you know, the parent calls and says, oh, I just got an eviction notice. Like, we don't have the money that we need to pay, or I just lost my job. Like, what do mm -hmm. I do? Um, and so we, we interact with families at a point when homelessness is actually still preventable. Um, and then the struggle is just because of um, how the systems work currently, there's not really a way for us to actually do, like really um, prevent that homelessness through the system. We often have to find workarounds, um, encourage people to work reach out to their social networks um, and I think if there would be some way for us to um, communicate more and Tracy um, I was going to say, I sometimes wonder if the folks, you know, because you're on any of the, I don't know what the word would be, I don't know if it's boards or in committee or wherever the people who make the decisions about the housing and all that stuff, there should be home visiting represented at those meetings with a real voice. And as you mentioned, as a real partner, because mm -hmm. I'm not so sure 
that the folks who are involved in that end of things really can fully, truly understand mm-hmm. what the, 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 the families that we work with are going through. Um, it can just look like numbers on a paper. You know, there's X number of people who are homeless. But we know, you know, Miss Jones, who's working two jobs and has three kids and one has is on the spectrum. And, you know, we know all that. They don't know all that. So that's where we can lend some of the put the face to the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be in the room. And I don't think we are. So mm-hmm. uh, that would be that would be a good step. Okay, great. So I see we have some questions that came up during the um, the chat that I will read off of and allow the panel to respond and then we'll close this piece out. And we have actually um, a great next presentation from the city to talk about our upcoming centralized intake that's specifically around home visiting that I think will um, really help in some of the, the solutions that we suggested today. Okay, this is Joe. Yes. Uh, there are some questions in the chat function. If you could maybe scroll through them, ask the question, and open it up to um, not only the presenters, but maybe some people mm-hmm. on the call. Okay, great. Great. So, um, first question I see is from Grace Whitney Is it possible for shelters to have child space used for home visiting? And I think in our um, experience, most places do have a space, you know, for a family to have a home visit. Um, anybody else want to respond to that? Uh, Malki, I found it varies a great deal. Um, okay. There are some shelters that are geared more to families mm-hmm. than others. Um, I visited people in a shelter and basically was in the room which is unusual because I usually don't like you to be in the room, but I was in the room with the mom and her three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't ideal because some of the things we didn't really want to talk about in front of the kids, but, Mm -hmm. um, but other shelters I've been to, there was space. So it Mm -hmm. was really, it varied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any of our homeless providers want to respond? Amari looks like Amari. Yep. Hey, my kid. Um, so typically we use our uh, right space room. Um, that way it, it allows the children to kind of play with the items that are in the room while the visitor is meeting with the parent. Um, it's not very often we have a situation where the parent, unless they're, they're a family and maybe there's mom, dad, and children, mm-hmm. uh, there's many situations where the parent can be separate from the child because our staff isn't equipped to care for the children in the absence of the parent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if there are multiple visits going on at the same time, which has happened when families have had like family-based therapy, um, whoever gets to the room first typically uses the break space room and then the other meetings occur in different spaces around the building. So I've given up my office, the case manager office, the client's rooms, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Okay, another question we have from Sharon Starr is, does anyone know if the housing supports and shelters are functioning with case management for sheltered families? I heard that some slash all of these services have been diminished. I think that's a question more for providers. Anybody wants to jump in? I can jump in on that one too. Okay, thanks Amari. (laughs) 
So I did leave a response um, just because we have two different uh, case management services here. Mm -hmm. um, so we have PHMC doing our housing focus case management and then RHD Fast Connections, um, mm -hmm. which will do the follow up with families after they exit shelter for upwards of a year. Um, mm -hmm. One of the issues we have with like Fast Connections, for instance, is that um, the service is, it's not a mandated service, it's, it's elective. Mm -hmm. um, so if a family is comfortable with the case manager and wants to continue the services, they can. However, there's nothing that says exiting shelter, you need to maintain this, this service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the move towards housing focused case management took a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, I guess, steam away from case management because they used to do a lot more as far as linkages and now everything is focused on the VSPDET and moving families through shelter as fast as possible you know mm -hmm. um but i believe that there used to be a focus more on like the entire person the entire mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. if, I, if that makes any sense mm -hmm. no that does that does anybody have any questions to that or want to respond differently uh, this is Joe. Um, I, I would add, I think, to Sharon's question that uh, there has been a lot of discussion over the last 10 years that almost everyone's emergency shelter contract has stayed the same since then. So um, what you were buying 10 years ago doesn't afford you the same resources and staffing patterns as they do today. Many agencies have to um, either uh, lay off staff or expand uh, the case manager ratio. Um, a lot of agencies had a 1 to 15 or 1 to 10 or 1 to 20 ratio. Now, a lot of folks are now having like a 1 to 30 ratio. So mm -hmm. there's less time. Some agencies have had to lay off their staff who work with kids and just mm -hmm. give that responsibility to somebody else. Um, so in general, it's, it's, it's an under-resourced system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Trisha Glenn just added that typically there's a deadline to move a family to function independently. So that's definitely, you know, a change we've seen in the system, right? Is that it's a push to, to get, get them out quicker, which does not really allow for that holistic, you know, approach. Um, and then Dorothy Judd reminded us that early intervention zero to three also works along with home visiting programs. I think that's a great point. Um, so yeah, a lot, and I'm sure Elise and Tracy could say the same, a lot of our um, families also re uh, receive early intervention. And we also make sure if they're not and they need early intervention, we do those referrals. So that they definitely are, um, I think, a partner with home visiting programs in the city as well. Okay, I think that is all of the questions that I saw in the chat. Um, but I encourage everybody to take a look, you know, because people did respond as people were, were asking questions. Okay, so now we are going to move on to um, talk about our very exciting um, home visiting centralized intake project that is going to be launching soon in the city. Um, and I, I, I'm really proud to be, have been a part of this. Um, and I think it's been really wonderful how all the home visiting programs have just come together to work together. So like Elise, Tracy, we, we've all been in, in several meetings together over the past <laughs> yeah. few years to 
you know, really look at, you know, how do we get this important resource and support out to more families in the city. And so centralized intake is our first step. So I'm going to turn this over to Julia Reeves um, so she can tell us some more about it. Um, can everybody hear me? Yep. Okay, yes. great. Um, hi, everybody. I am thrilled to be here today uh, on behalf of Division Maternal Child and Family Health with um, Tracy and Sharon and others uh, to talk to you a little bit about the Home Visiting Centralized Intake System that Malkia and so many other of our partners have contributed to. Um, so let's get started. Next slide, please. Uh, can we go to the next slide? Is that it, Julia? Uh, maybe, Oops. I'm sorry. There's maybe the second I'm... page, that second page. We can just see the cover page, Joe. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, um, hmm. Let me hit this button then. Sorry, sorry, I didn't hear any of that. There was coughing going on. Can you say that again, please? Enable editing. It should let you move the slides. Wonderful. Yay. Thank you all so much. There you go. All right. So in this presentation, Perfect. In this presentation, we'll just be talking a little bit about a background on family and infant home visiting programs, um, provide an overview of the centralized intake system, and then um, I'll share back with you a few of the strategies and challenges um, for serving families experiencing homelessness that have been shared to me through our partners. Um, I'm sure some of them we've discussed already today, um, and maybe it can just be a sounding board for the next uh, portion of the conversation. Great. Um, so uh, home visiting, as we've discussed, has many benefits to families. Um, home visiting can most directly improve family, maternal, and newborn health. Additionally, it can improve care coordination and referral. Well, that concludes our first podcast. Stay tuned for future podcasts uh, in which we will feature Julia Reeves from the Philadelphia Department of Public Health to talk about the upcoming centralized intake process for home visiting programs. We'll also have other topics in the future, so stay tuned. Take care, people.